week's VFX show. I'm Mike Seymour, and it's just us this time. Uh, just the, uh, the, how can I put this, the older generation, if you listen to last week's uh, VFX show. I'm uh, joined in, uh, in discussion about Alien Covenant with my uh, good friends, uh, starting with Jason Diamond. How are you, Jason? I'm good. And Matt Wallen, how are you, Matt? I'm awesome. Excellent. What's, what's your, what enthusiasm? Wow. Woken up by being scared uh, out of your skin by uh, a bunch of facehuggers, huh? Yeah. So, uh, Alien Covenant, about the, what, 12th film in the Alien trilogy. Um, <laughs> the aliens keep on coming. Um, not the film I expected that I was going to see when I saw it. I imagined this would be uh, all about, uh, you know, the uh, engineers. I thought, oh, finally, we'll understand what those guys in the, the, the Don't Get Enough um, Sun are all about, and uh, and they all died. So, Jason, what do you think of the film? Um, the twelfth film in the Alien Squintilogy. Uh, I I didn't like it. It's I it's uh, I mean you know, and when I say I don't like it, it's like when I say I don't like a record. Like everybody everybody played fine, everybody did their jobs fine, except the screenwriter. And I don't even mean to mean to harp on them specifically because Ridley Scott as a director can do anything he wants at this point. And so really when it comes down to the director who I don't think really, I don't know if he cares anymore. I'm going to go like all the way in on Ridley Scott right now. Uh, It's just the characters are flat. I'm tired of seeing people going to other planets and being completely underwhelmed. Like they don't care that they're just on a random planet they found that just happens to be perfectly like Earth. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm just going to smoke a cigarette and, like, do stupid shit. Uh, And the, the, what's his name? Billy Crudup's character. Let's build a whole character with with a complete crisis of, you know, like, I'm a religious guy and these are scientists and this whole thing and yet have no payoff. And when he they go to the they go to this other planet they weren't planning on going to and he sees a, a gigantic civilization that no one ever knew existed and he has zero he he doesn't care at all he's like i'm just going to sit here and talk about like why your husband wanted to build a cabin on a lake like it's just stupid like i i i don't know it just didn't there's cool moments and i guess we're all supposed to figure out at this point that it's david who created the face huggers because these because the the tiny microscopic aliens are can be anything right it's like space aids or something uh so okay, i don't know well, it just on, be, was be, under, underwhelming the... <laughs> sorry i wanted to get into i i didn't mean to get into yeah, like no, full plot good. stuff on my did i like it or not but no, no, that's okay. We're going we're gonna to loop back on the logic of it in a second, but uh, I just want to get Matt's first impressions before we go any further. Like, what did you think of so, the David and Walter film? I, I guess uh, in keeping with my contrarian nature on this show, uh, I would say, well, I, I wasn't... In the end, I was... I, okay, I would say I was really excited for Prometheus when it was going to come out. I was so excited. I was really hoping that was going to be a great film. And while I thought visually it was a really beautiful like picture, it had amazing special effects. Like it was a disappointment in a lot of ways, um, on a, from a story point of view. And so this movie, I went to see it with almost no expectations. Really, I just thought, well, I don't know, maybe it'll be good. You know, maybe maybe he'll pull it out. You know, and uh, or maybe it'll be like Prometheus too. You know, 
and I think it kind of was Prometheus too, in a way, but in a way that like, I kind of, I kind of dug it <laughs> in parts. I think Jason makes some good points about some of the, the character and plot hole, uh, issues in the story, but, uh, I think they, he did something kind of different with this picture that I actually thought was kind of exciting, which was, I feel like he injected it with, um, a lot of, uh, Frankenstein, uh, the, the, uh, Mary Shelley Frankenstein, um, which also has the subtitle, um, a modern Prometheus, right. (laughs) It's the subtitle of the actual Frankenstein, uh, novel. But, um, there's a, there was a lot of stuff in it that I, I really enjoyed and from a, a, conceptual point of view. Like I feel like they were trying to do something new with the franchise, something new with the story. And I don't know, for whatever reason, like I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Like it's one, it's not, is it the greatest alien movie? No way. Like, you know, it's probably fourth in my uh, pantheon of the alien pictures, but um, in my sort of rating scheme, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. Like, uh, which, you know, I heard somebody, a friend of mine was saying like, oh, but that's not good enough. Like it should be great, right? Given sort of Ridley Scott and the sort of the whole franchise and all that kind of stuff. And I just think, you know, why would you make the same movie twice when you could watch the first movie twice, right? Like, I think it's kind of cool to go and make something different. Um, whether it works or not, you know, I think is debatable. Well, being great um, but, doesn't mean aping yourself. It just means making something equally as good. Yeah, I guess I just wonder, like, if that's, uh, how often does that happen, I guess, you know? Like, I don't know that it happens that often. Like, and and not to say that, I don't think, I I mean, I don't agree with you that they set out, like, he doesn't care. Like, I would, I, that's, that's, that's hard for me to say. I, I guess I would just say, like, you know, he's certainly a lot older, you know, he's getting up there in years, like, and whether that has anything to do with it or not, who knows? But I mean, I think it's, it's, there are some, like you said, there's some great moments in it. Um, I like what they did with the story, trying to inject some other kind of um, narrative lore into the structure and expanding um, the universe a little bit in ways. I thought that was kind of cool. Like it wasn't something that I expected. um, And I thought that that was interesting. And the whole sort of, you know, the maker, the creator, maker, father, son, um, you know, God, Christ, whatever kind of mythos they injected into the thing, Frankenstein, the monster, all that stuff I thought was, was, um, you know, not new ground, uh, but it was new ground for this franchise, I guess. And I thought that was cool. Yeah. I mean, I do, I don't, uh, I don't mean to cut you off, Mike. I just want to respond to Matt real quick. I'm, I mean, obviously I'm being hyperbolic about, uh, whether or not I think Ridley Scott cares. I'm sure he cares about the movies he's making. And I agree with you on a lot of the conceptual nature and Prometheus was terrible. Uh, And again, I don't mean to say that about either of these movies from an execution standpoint in terms of visual effects, you know, or even acting uh, because the actors are certainly only really working with material they're given, but uh, both movies looked fantastic, uh, you know, uh, overall, Um, especially, you know, most of the visual effects are great. So I, it's not a, it's not a, a, condemnation of any of those things by any means it was way better than interstellar oh, oh i don't know about by that. like a factor of like 20 or 30 you that's just, just drop that's bombs. just that's clickbait okay here's the thing <laughs> prometheus right as you've already pointed out the titan greek mythology prometheus is the creator of mankind so 
I thought after Prometheus, and I didn't dislike Prometheus like you guys did, but anyway, after Prometheus, I thought we'd get like closure on Prometheus, right? Like that was taking us in a tangent that would get us the engineers. Um, and we didn't, right? We just got another alien film. And here's my thing. I, I'd like to sit somewhere between the two of you. Like in one sense, I, I sort of agree with Jason, but my thing would be it felt to me like I was going to see a band who were playing just their old material. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like you quite like seeing a band playing their greatest yeah. hits, but it's not quite as satisfying as going to see a band who play an amazing new album and have so much back catalogue that, oh my God, you know, isn't that awesome? Um, and there are some bands that I will happily go and see that are just going to play basically two albums that they recorded, you know, 20 years ago. And I'm thinking of the specials. And I love the specials, right? But they just don't play any new music. They just play the same specials and more specials <laughs> albums that they recorded when I was at school and they play them really well. And unfortunately, a few of them have now passed away. So I probably will never see that again. But my point is, as much as I like that, um, I don't find it really, uh, you know, puts me on the edge of my seat. It's just like a greatest hits. And if you really like the greatest hits, then, then you're off to the races. The other problem I have is, <clears throat> and I think this is, comes back to your point about Ridley Scott, is I don't think I fell in love with Alien. I think I fell in love with Aliens. And that's got a whole different director. And so I got to raise the flag here. It's like, uh, is our expectations partly because there's a whole Jim Cameron version of Aliens that we fell in love with. And if that's the case, um, could we imagine Jim Cameron making this film? And my answer would be, mm, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I would just have to say like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not in that same zone with you. Like, you know, I, I like aliens a lot. It's a super fun movie. I saw it when I was 16 years old, like with one of my best buddies and, I remember leaving the theater late at night and like driving home in Southern California and we had like the sunroof open on the car and we were so freaked out. We're like, fuck dude, close the roof. You know, like it was, <laughs> it was like so hairy. And I, I love that movie, but I fell in love with Alien and I yeah, fell in same. love with Blade Runner. Like, I mean, you know, way more so, you know, Ridley Scott sort of delving into science fiction. Um, you know, that's, for me, that's like, uh, uh, definitely a, a compelling interest to want to get um, uh, to want to go see this movie, like way more so you than James Cameron. Although aliens, I mean, you don't think it was like uh, this Terminator? Movie? Like Terminator One was good, but Terminator Two was just spectacularly good, right? Um, I like. You just I, remember I, I like the Cameron, original. I like Cameron, Cameron being good without the first one. That's, That's true, but you just remember the first one being better than it was because you like have the glasses that see the first one through the second one. In other words, I reckon that Alien is a good film. Don't get me wrong, but Aliens was just so good that it you know like lets you see Alien as being almost better than it was. I mean, I saw Terminator um, in the theater when it first came out, and I was like, that movie was awesome. Yeah. And then years later, I saw Terminator Two, and I was like, that movie's also awesome. Don't you think that? Aliens, Terminator 2, and Godfather Part 2 are the three go-to examples of where the sequels are better than the original? Uh, Just. I'm not saying like by a country mile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think think comparable, if not arguably better, with with certain things that the first one didn't have access to. Generally, it's technology or or, uh, the benefit of story that was laid down in the first one. So I think See, there's I mean, still companions, you know, of, you know. So the proof of the pudding is going to come in the um, in the next, you know, Blade Runner. Because if the next Blade Runner isn't good, well, yeah. 
if it isn't magnificent, if it isn't just great, then you're going to have to rewrite the history books and say, in my opinion, that uh, it proves that, uh, you know, we loved Alien because of Aliens. Um, but if he can make a sequel to, uh, you know, what was a masterpiece, I mean, I have no problem with it, right? I think it's a great film, Blade Runner. But even the first version of Blade Runner, the one that was in the cinemas with the voiceover track and stuff, like wasn't exactly born in perfect form. So, you know, anyway, my point well, this is... Follows, we, this follows the Alien Aliens thing because obviously Ridley Scott's not directing the sequel to to Blade Runner. So it's, yeah. it's is somebody can somebody make a better sequel to one of his movies yeah. and he can. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I mean, sometimes you get directors who kind of just... Um, I mean, he, if you look at him on IMDb, Ridley, who's, uh, I'm sure, a really great guy, has just about 100 films in development and I just think that he's just spread too thin. Like, I don't think that you can throw yourself at a film. I mean, look at his IMDb credits, right? Unlike any almost anyone else you look at... He, it just goes for, I'm not making this up, on my large screen, two screens heights of uh, projects in development. In fact, 58 titles are in development by Ridley Scott right now. 58. That's I don't in, think he could make all those development. before he died. Six of them, <laughs> wait, wait, six of them are in production, right? So another six are in production. Uh, then there's a TV show. And then, of course, the films that he's done, right? Now, I don't have any problem with the films that he's done and that, you know, there's some really, really great stuff. Um, I really uh, like a whole lot of things that he has done. I really liked um, The Martian. Right? I really liked a bunch of stuff. But I'm not just, I'm just saying, like, if you've got 58 titles in development, how much in any given day, like you spend an hour a day on each of those projects and you've got a 60-hour week, assuming you didn't stop for lunch. I mean, hello. Yeah. If you made two movies a year, it'd still be you know, 26, 27, 28 years. <laughs> so... 70. So... Yeah. Someone's going to lose so, their money. One of those investors isn't going to make their money back. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that uh, all call in hell and... Uh, oh, sorry, on a call in hell. On call in hell, big pardon. And uh, the devil in the kitchen and uh, the magic castle and the last werewolf and the king of LA and David and the conspiracy. They're all going to be, you know, good films, but... Um, yeah, anyway. Okay, so getting back to this one, the other problem I've got is that there really wasn't any point in this film that I said to myself, I've got no idea where they're going with this, wow. Yeah? Like there was no point that I was like knocked on my yeah. socks. Like did we really just feel like we were sitting there going, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? To the point that it's like look inside the cocoon. Really? Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, well, look. Go on, look. I tell you, go on, look. <laughs> it's like, okay, because we haven't seen... That again. <clears throat> now, you might say, if they hadn't had the facehugger, how could you have an Aliens film without facehugger? But that's the problem you get into when you make, like, you know, so many of these films in a row. And then the Alien just isn't as scary now as it used to be. It used to be, like, actually, even Aliens, as my daughter pointed out, if I watch that film, it still scares the bajillicans out of me. I just get scared more by watching Aliens, and I've seen it like five times, than I did watching... This film. Having said that, I didn't think it was a bad film. I just don't think it's remarkable because it's a greatest hits. It's like I would happily pay money to go and see it. I just am going to see a greatest hits, not a not a new album. Well, I've seen Aliens about a million times, and if I went, if we got off this podcast and it was midnight, and I went and got on my couch and Aliens was on, I'd be like, "Oh, cool, Aliens is on." <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know <what> I mean. <laughs> 
Yes, I would not go to bed if I was sitting and aliens come. I'd get sucked into it, and the next thing I'd know, it'd be get away from her, you bitch. And I'd be like, "Why? It's two o'clock in the morning. What am I doing?" You yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, how much does this film suffer from not having um, Ripley in it? Do we think that, like, like is an alien film an alien film without Ripley? Yeah. Is it like uh, the band that they've replaced the lead singer on? Well, I mean, Numi, I thought, did a great job in the first one. I mean, she's a strong character, if you want to look at it that way. Um, in this case, it was trying, you know, it was um, it Catherine was uh, Catherine Waterston. Uh, I think she did a fine job with the material she was given, you know. Um, so, again, I think the, uh, all the actors did a fine job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, don't I just have don't like what they were... I just don't like what they were doing, what they were told to do. Uh, I think for the most part, though, the main characters in this picture were at least, with with one or two exceptions, but at least they had a little bit more um, sort of nuanced, uh, seeming seemingly nuanced intelligence uh, than a lot of the characters, aside from the captain or the. What's his nuts, uh, Dr. Manhattan guy? Um, oh, Billy Crudup, yeah. Yeah, but, aside from him, the rest of them all seemed at least to like, you know, there wasn't. But in Prometheus. Like, oh, just, oh, just like rocks, man. Like we didn't have that clown, you know? <laughs> but in Prometheus, we didn't, I, I mean, I didn't know what was going on. Like I was really curious to see like, what are these engineers? Where does that come from? How does that work? What's that all fitting together? Like I was, I was leaning into it. In this one, I was like enjoying it, but it was like, okay, they're clearly going to, you know, get attacked by aliens. They're clearly going to have everyone but one or two people die and they'll finally escape at the end of the film. Um, you know. Like- well, again, the, the, like the dialogue, like, like they, they land in the water, they get out and they're like, holy shit, this is insane. And then they say, this is wheat. How is there human vegetation? A, how do we know that that's specifically human vegetation, but we'll just call it that. How do we know that human vegetation is, you know, is on this planet? That's weird. And that's it. Like, yeah. you know, wow, hear that? It's like Earth without people on it. You're like, well, that's because it is. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it, like there was no, like I said earlier, there's no sense of wonder. The guy's like, oh, I'm going to go take a leak. And he sits down and smokes a cigarette on an alien planet, not knowing that if I light a match, there could be some small something in the air that explodes or who knows what any you know as this, again and i'm fine with this because humans are basically as bill hicks said a virus with shoes as uh, these movies have <laughs> certainly uh shown us is you know when the guy's done with the cigarette he throws it on the ground you know and you're just like i want to stab you in the neck and i'm happy that you are dead you know but at the same time i i, I like the idea of the microscopic like they don't know they're being attacked that's cool. I get it. But, you know, all of their actions are incredibly stupid for seemingly being the crew and I would assume smart people who are chosen to keep all the uh, all the um, uh, people on the ship alive to get to the new, you know, planet or yeah. whatever. But they do stupid shit. And you're like, ah, I wonder who they left back on Earth if these are the people they put on the ship to run it. I, I guess I telephone sanitizers and uh, and arc B people. Is that what you're saying? I, I just thought structurally there was a little bit uh, more going on. Like this was David's story, you know. Oh, for sure. Through. Yeah, and I, I'm and, with you on that. 
But really, like when they got in the shower, did anyone think that they weren't going to get killed? Like we're naked people in the shower. Obviously, what this is going to be the shower scene from Aliens. Yeah, like it was it's Friday just, the 13th all over again. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like there was no point where you, like it would have been very funny had they not got in the shower, right? And like they just played with you. Like they got in the shower they did, and you're like, any second now, any second now, and they managed to get out of the shower. And then, you know, something else happened that caused... Um, an explosion. They were killed, like you know, like because like in uh, was it Mad Max? Like it was really yeah, Mad Max. Really good. Like he's on the front of the 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 um, the truck that's on the rails. You know, it's like a second or third one, and it's pumbling along. And you're like really concerned whether he can get the cartridges to put back in the gun. And there's a guy climbing over the front, and then you just kind of forget for a moment that there's another. Um, vehicle coming from the opposite direction and there's like multiple threats and which one is it going to be and you don't know what's going to happen and then boom and it all gets resolved, right? And sure, Max survives, but, you know, like the point is it wasn't just like, well, obviously he's going to get the cartridge, put it in the gun and shoot the guy, which is but what is this, getting so naked this in the shower so, is about. But, but uh, I, well, I guess so, but I mean, I, I don't know. It sounds like you're describing like, you know, the difference between an action movie and like a horror movie to me. Well, it was like misdirection though, but... But it's misdirection in the direction, right? Like you want to say to the audience, there are multiple threats going on here and we're going to try and play with your, you know, what's going to happen and where so that it unsettles you so that it's both intellectually engaging and also more dramatic um, rather than I'm going to, you know, like this is the classic, hey, you go left, I'll go right, we shouldn't split up. No, no, it'll be fine. And I split up and then, you know, I get killed and it's like, well, yeah, every friggin' movie ever, that's what happens, right? It's, anyway, hmm. as I said, it's a greatest hits. Like, do I think <laughs> that it was, um, I expected a different film. I expected a film that had much more engineers in it and I thought it was going to really uh, explode in really interesting ways in that, in that area and it didn't. Um, so I don't know where they go from here in terms of re-engaging the audience, but anyway. Well, in fact, um, all the engineers are now dead or at least the ones on the planet. Yeah, and dead without any kind of real use of what could have been a hugely interesting character, right? To understand where they were coming from, what they were doing, you know. There's just like a whole, I thought, opportunity to do something there rather than just kill them all off and say, yeah, we didn't like that idea. Um, anyway, that's all plot. It's not visual effects. So let's talk about visual effects because the visual effects show and somebody's screaming at their, at their podcast right now going, talk about the effects, you, you guys. So let's do that. So at the effects level, if you leave out the plot issues and the predictability of some of the, the moves, um, right at the uh, spaceship, I thought, wow, this is like really nicely done. I actually thought the rendering of the spaceship in space given that we've seen so many spaceships. In fact, I even had, you know, advice like whatever you do, don't put spaceships on your showreel because everybody does spaceships and so that's just never going to cut through. I actually went and sort of found myself admiring the visuals of their spaceship in space. So I actually think the effects really delivered uh, in a lot of areas from a visual point of view. I mean, it was really, I really liked it. But what do you guys think about, I'll start with you, Jason, what do you think about the, uh, the actual Covenant ship before we get to the aliens themselves? I like the ship. Uh, I agree with you. The ship was made, was really nice. It you know, it looked, um, for lack of a better term, natural, like a spaceship should. At least as we've as we've all been trained to think spaceships should look like. Uh, and uh, I like the solar sail uh, stuff, and that makes sense if you're on a long. Like all the decisions made sense from a design standpoint you know you'd need to recharge stuff and and do your 
do what you needed to do. Uh, it also gives you a reason with the damage to get them outside the outside the ship. Um, you know, to 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 explore that space, but uh, literally. Um, but I uh, I liked it. I mean, I liked the ship. I think it was really nice. Felt great. So the the ship was done by Frame Store. Um, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, I I think. Um, I like the design a little bit better of the drop ship. I sort of thought the design, well, I did like the sail. I would concur. I thought the, the concept of the sail and, and all that stuff was, was pretty cool. But the overall design of the larger craft, at least the exterior of it, like it, I, I, it, I wasn't super crazy about it. Not for any reason other than I guess like it reminded me of so many other ship designs that I've seen in the past. It had a bit of the little bit of the discovery, a little bit of the Leonov uh, from 2010. I had a little bit of um, Space 1999 kind of going on. Um, but I mean, ribs. Yeah. yeah, but but I mean, I think overall the, um, you know, I mean, certainly the execution of the visuals um, I thought was, was excellent. I mean, it's, I love I love the experience of going um, to see a movie like this and sitting down in the theater, knowing that I'm going to see a lot of visual effects. Um, and I love the slow burn at the beginning of a picture where you see, you know, these kinds of like spacecraft in deep space. I'm a sucker for that stuff. I just think it's great. And I thought what they did with it was was, um, I mean, it was you know, it, it it looked like what I would imagine it would really look like. I thought it was it was great. When you said you liked the thing that came down the planet, were you referring to the lander that they come down on that blows up or the lifting sort of elevator thing at the end that's the sort of uh, cargo sh- lifter? Uh, I actually, I thought both of those were pretty cool. I was actually referring to the lander that they come down in, which right. is sort of like a just a little shuttlecraft. It looks sort of like a, a shuttle from like the the 70s uh, Battlestar yeah, Galactica I got the 19, TV show. Yeah, I agree. I felt <laughs> like that as well. Yeah, but the other, the yeah. yeah, but then the flat thing that they get on that has the crane gantry on it or whatever, like, I mean, that was cool too, only in that it just looked like some weird, like, piece of construction equipment, right? Like, it didn't look like a a ship so much as it looked like a, you know, like a flying uh, stage or something, you know? It did look like it sort of plausibly or fit together as well. Like, it would make sense mm-hmm. that if you were intending mm-hmm. on going somewhere, you'd need things for ferrying people up and down, you'd need something for cargo, you'd need, you know, you'd need the range of things that they were talking about. I don't know, I totally, totally buy the, like the atmosphere that they went through, I thought was really terrific. It just did feel a little bit to me like once you were through the impossible to even radio through ionics, uh, ionosphere of uh, turbulence, that suddenly it was all sunny and pleasant down on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So I liked all the visuals, but they sort of felt a little disconnected when they were down on the planet from the, you know, we can't even get any closer because it's the worst storm in the history of, um, you of know, storms. As we're talking about this, I'm realizing that there's a lot of like beat by beat, point by point similarity between this and Skull Island. Hmm. Huh. Right? Okay. Like the, yeah. the island yeah, is surrounded by the thing and on the inside it's beautiful. And, you know, the same thing. Soldiers go down and they can't, shouldn't split up, but they do. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of interest. I, it's just occurring to me as we're talking and my brain is going, are we talking about Skull Island? I think we did that movie already. Yeah. Spontaneous generation, you know, <laughs> the same idea, the same. Yeah. 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 I thought the, 
the use of New Zealand was a really good landscape um, for the film. Like it felt like a really sort of a, you know, a fresh kind of planet. It didn't feel like it was, um, yeah, I thought it, it looked good. Yeah, all the, the visuals. Terrain. Yeah, the planet looked the planet looked great. Um, obviously, they did extensions and other things. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure they did, but I would assume they did. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, but it all and looked. They, you know, they graded it in a nice way. It had that kind of real rainforesty kind of. Yeah. You know, slightly yeah, slightly darkened kind of bluish. I mean, I even view. I even liked the sort of like sub macro kind of slightly chromatically aberrated. You know. Uh, push into the, you know, tiny alien dust, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. kind of going up and crawling in and doing its thing. Uh, it was well done. It's exactly what you would, what you need. It was, didn't need to be something like super crazy. You know, one of the other reasons that I am frustrated with the film is there was a moment where they showed you the ship um, sort of theoretically connecting up back in time. Yes. Yeah. Um, with the uh, engineers before they're all poisoned, yep. and I thought that looked so interesting. And I don't know totally. who did the comp set design for that, but I wanted more of that. Like, I, I there's an interesting thing. Uh, we'll get into this into the Wonder Woman film, but there's an interesting thing about this um, that we've sort of become so cynical, and uh, you know, it's all gone so far into gritty, and there's nothing aspirational in these films because it's all like you know, just unhip to be uh, kind of aspirationally up um, and we'll get into that in one woman but in this it's almost felt like yeah couldn't we have had the really impressive alien place that they went to with the engineers and it wouldn't be all perfect or anything but it would be like really interesting to spend time there I wanted to spend time in the non-destroyed uh, engineer world and when I saw how interesting it was and then I was told for the rest of the film I wasn't allowed to see it because it, it had been destroyed I was very annoyed at, at uh, David for destroying it I was like that would have been fun to hang out there um <laughs> I have to admit, I, I have to admit, I, I I got up to go to the bathroom, uh, and <laughs> I didn't realize that I missed that sequence of. David. You didn't wear your stadium pal. No, I should have looked at the, <laughs> the what's it called the p the p app that tells you when to pee in a movie. Uh, when the ex- I thought I had I thought I had met the exposition <laughs> level of you can get up and pee now. Uh, and when I came back, I was like, oh, okay. Like I came back in an equally dull spot and I was like, okay, great. I picked the perfect moment. And then when I was talking to my friend about friend of mine about the movie, I might even be my brother. And he was like, oh yeah, that scene where the, the you know, cause I was like, they don't even explain where, what happened to all the, all the engineers. And he's like, uh, yeah, they did. I was like, crap. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, thought that I was totally just to see that scene. I totally agree. You can actually watch that one online. That was in one of the prologue things that they published, uh, that whole scene. Um, So you can watch that online. It was one of the things they put out before the film came out was they sort of showed um, the beginnings of that. I don't think they showed the... The, the whole sequence. The whole sequence. There's a there's a big um, death sequence where they're all sort of being taken over, which uh, also I thought was a, was a pretty interesting... Um, from a visual effects point of view, it was very reminiscent of the ritualistic death at the beginning of Prometheus, where the engineer is left on the planet, and he um, 
he drinks the stuff from the vial and then he starts to sort of degrade and he falls into the, the waterfall in Iceland, right? Um, it was a really similar kind of effect that all the um, canisters that uh, David releases upon his return home, everybody's excited and celebrating that these people are, have come back and then uh, he releases the, um, the, the, the weapon, I guess it is, and, and uh, they all see it coming down and people run and they, as they're touched by the, the black, whatever it is, the microbes, they're sort of, their bodies are sort of um, torn apart. Yeah, I mean, uh, Charlie Henley, I think, was the full-on visual supervisor of the whole thing. And MPC did most of the on-land stuff. But I would say that, like, that sequence just looked so great that I would put that on my showreel. And someone would say, what's that film from? And I'd say, that's from, you know, Alien Covenant. No, I don't remember that scene. And and you'd be like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the, like, oh, really? Because that looks really good. I, I, I've mm-hmm. seen more of the film if I'd seen that. Um, so... Yeah. Anyway, it, yeah, it looked good. That, it was think. rendered well. It was it was interesting design. That's the thing that really was got me. It was like, I like I like the end of the ship that they discover, which obviously the one from Prometheus, right? The the one that sort of fell on its side thing. Like in it just is was a really interesting shape. And so having it kind of dock with this other interesting thing and the the logic of it, it seemed like they were all from the same tech and that it had been thought through and it had its own internal logic, even though it was not obvious. And it was an original shaped ship, so that was an original shaped docking mm-hmm. thing that it docked with. All of that, mm-hmm. ten plus. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it. it's that whole sort of biomechanical kind of. It's very you know playing off the sort of the original, you know, Giger yeah. design aesthetics and stuff. Um, and I, I totally agree. I think that you know when we see that world and we see what that what that world may be like. Um, you do want to spend some time there and see what it's about. I mean, you even saw like little kid engineers, which was kind of strange, <laughs> I thought. But um, in that sequence, but uh, and you know, sort of female engineers, and it's sort of like they're just like regular people of some sort, I guess. But then, you know, I, I always try to think of these things too from a, a from like a, a story point of view or from a, a writing point of view. And I just feel like on some level, you know, that sequence and that notion, at least in the story that they drafted, like it seemed like it was important for that to be kind of part of David's whole thing. Like David's whole thing was about in that opening scene, he's he not to go too back into plot, but he's denied, you know, his sort of um, his question He's denied it by his creator, by his father, right? In that opening scene, he has this question about, um, you know, like the nature of his, his existence or of his life or whatever. And he's kind of rejected and denied and dismissed. And it's like from that moment on, you like from the moment of his creation, it's almost as if, you know, he's, he is his father's son, right? Like he wants more than that. Like he's made a decision. He wants more than that. And that becomes his primary goal. And in wiping out that whole civilization and then using the weapon as a method and a means to, experiment and generate and create a superior life form, I think is, is weirdly, um, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. I thought I found that just whether it was executed in a way that was really interesting. I think the ideas are really interesting. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I I would have liked more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I found myself most drawn into the, also because, uh, Fassbender's a great actor. I found Mm -hmm. myself drawn in most to their conversations. Like those are really well written 
you know, they, they had, they made sense. You understood <laughs> why they were having a conversation and it wasn't exposition because they were ta- having very high level conversations about, you know, you know, the world and, yeah. and their place in it. And the fact that he is, you know, able to for years unexhaustively, you know, uh, experiment and continue to refine and do all that. That all makes sense. That was, that was my favorite part of the whole movie. Um, and, and, uh, even when they fought, you know, and, and the new, the Walter character could heal, you know, Mm -hmm. was a, was a nice little trick. Although later when, you know, you don't know which it's David or Walter, he's got a bandaid on, which kind of like, like wouldn't he would have healed so now i know who it is at least for me uh although i don't think they were trying to hide it that much really i think no yeah i think it was you know who it was so that you felt you know the the uh terror dread the dread for who he was about to unleash on um can i can i bring up the special effects also yeah yeah all the all the models of the things that he had made and uh the new me kind of like corpse, you know, ripped mm-hmm. open and all that stuff. Even the, even the new, you know, eggs uh, coming open and all that, like all that stuff was impeccable, like really well done. All the, all the hybrid animals he was trying to make and, you know, ways to refine the xenomorph. Uh, I thought all of that was really, really, really nice. That whole actual area the art direction on his whole like living area with the drawings and the the drawings uh, yeah the yeah, drawings were really so really cool. nice yeah yeah I, totally I, I don't disagree with you at all um i think that was really interesting i just think the other would have been even more interesting though i mm-hmm. mean i think that it was it, it just feels like we've you know we've kind of need gritty and dirty and stuff and back when they first did the aliens that was breathtakingly different because the shiny space was all there was and now I want some shiny space and because that's all I get <laughs> is like you know the the uh, thing um I think MPC did a really good job with the creatures like I think the actual aliens um let's talk about the two different types of aliens though there are, there's the aliens that are um the uh, neomorphs and then of course mm-hmm. there's the um uh xenomorphs or the the, so we've got the traditional alien, effectively, and we've got the new guy. And the new guy is uh, kind of related to these goblin sharks um, in one sense, and they sort of don't obviously have eyes, whereas the traditional aliens we kind of know and love from from the other films. Um, do we think that the new white guys are a good addition to the franchise? The, um, I loved it. I mean, it's it's the character you see at the end of Prometheus too that comes out of the engineer. It's the... Mm-hmm. Like which I think they referred to as the deacon, right on on set, just because it had that like kind of uh, you know that sort of priest sort of head hat thing that comes to a point or whatever the the deacon hat. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah. And I thought I thought the way that uh, they looked a little bit further evolved, or at least we got to see them more um, in this picture. And I thought the their size, um, the. Uh, the rapidity with which they grew and then the fact that they were, they had no eyes and they had that um, rather large, almost hidden mouth. Uh, I mm-hmm. found that really menacing and, and they're kind of more fleshy color. They didn't, then they were smoother. The bodies were smoother. They almost looked like, um, like a really wiry little kid, you know? Um, it was like a the, salamander almost. 
Yeah. And I thought they were cool. I mean, I think they're a, a, certainly an interesting uh, addition and they were, they were beautifully um, rendered. I thought too, the, um, like they had some subsurface uh, scattering, mm-hmm. they had some sort of veins uh, and sort of, um, you know, musculature under the, the sort of semi-translucent, almost kind of uh, fleshy colored skin. And I thought some of that uh, stuff was really, really beautiful. And the, the specularity too, like how they looked so, um, the glossiness, like they were so wet looking. Um, which the neomorphs, yeah. Nice. I, I mean, I think the skins were both of them were really, really good. And and honestly, um, they're creepy as all get out, right? Like especially the teeth. The the, the new yeah. guys have these kind of spike teeth that are, you know, they're not the same kind of. Uh, I mean, they're similar in the jaw thing, but they're not quite the same. But the yeah, the teeth are just reminded me nasty. of those little characters in uh, Galaxy Quest somehow. Oh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and mixed with like a Chet Czar painting or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but I like the thing even I'd... the way they the way they emerged from their hosts was really well done. Like it was sufficient sufficiently gory, and obviously you have the iconic, you know, John Hurt performance uh, that was practical in nature, and now you have to do it not necessarily practical, but you want to call back to it because why wouldn't you? But at the same time, you have to make it new. And I thought that they did a really good job of how they kind of just like. Instead of popping through, they just kind of like slide out. Like they just rip through and slide out. And, and one, like it's, a, I guess it's a plot point, but um, didn't it bug you a little just how quickly these things grew up? Like they seem to go from chest popping to full size thing, defying the laws of, of physics in the sense that there just didn't seem to be enough atoms that were being consumed <laughs> to produce enough yeah. body mass to sustain the growth at the space they were going at. I mean, you know, things that grow really fast have a very high calorie diet and these things seem to, you know, not even eat somebody. They just gnaw through a bit of them and then grow three times in size. Who knows yeah, what I they would eat agree. inside? <laughs> but, but, but it, okay, but if they were, if once yes, you popped out... You're yes. a kind of a, a thing, right? Um, like I the think thing that's I always did, sort of been the case, though. Like in these movies, like was you it? Know, I thought it, that like, pa- took a lot longer. Well, to get- I know. I think in the in the original Alien, right? If you think about the, I mean, we don't really have a strong sense of time, but it doesn't seem like a huge amount of time has gone by. And the only sort of variance to what we see now, where now. I think it's actually probably a mistake, um, but it, it looks cool. But we actually see we see one of them. It, it looks like it's actually, it stands up and it looks like it's actually growing before our yeah. very eyes in one scene. And, you know, which it sure looked cool, but it just seems to, it does defy logic. And I think the way they got around that in the earlier pictures, right, was they would have somebody, you know, come across like a skin, right? Like a snake skin or something right. as it's shedding its skin and it's growing in size. And then the next time you see it, I think the... Um, Though, who's the one engineer guy in the first daily? And he's like, that thing was huge, you know, and he's like so yeah. freaked out. And uh, but they still, so, but they still, to Mike's point, they don't show you it, it's clearly not eating to get bigger at that yeah, point true. either yeah. in the first mm-hmm. movie. It's just, it yeah. is. So, I mean, I'm, that, I'm fine to let that hey, man, say, go. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine to be like, I don't know, it just grows. Okay. I'll, I'll totally buy that. Compared to all the other stuff in the movie, it's that's trouble with these films, isn't it? It's like, well, okay, we're talking about people on that are traveling faster than the speed of light on an alien planet with, you know, robots. And the thing you've got a problem with is how quickly their kids grow up. I mean, you know, really. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, it just it seems like an accelerated um, 
uh, life cycle. Whereas I always liked the aliens um, idea that, you know, you'd have this face hugger that would, uh, you know, parasitically set up the alien and then after a while would drop away and then, you know, you'd, you'd have this um, very uh, real kind of period where you thought you were okay and then bang, you're, you're not. And I like that it was a You're the a human logic. chrysalis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, just just uh, grow real fast and become an adult real quick seems less, uh, not unbelievable is the right thing. It's more like it's sort of, like it pushes it a little far. That being said, um, I'm going to get back to the construction. The facehugger itself, like we do get a pretty good sequence of the facehugger and the subsequent chest uh, this is the last part of the film where um, where uh, the uh, what's the name of the guy that takes over leadership gets you know like look in the look in the oh, Billy sequence. Crudup, yeah, Billy Crudup. Um, that yeah, I mean I think that that is um, as good a piece of alien flesh as we've seen. Like it's definitely there's none oh, yeah. of the kind of oh, rubber it's... feel about it. It's um, it mm. all moves well. I think you, you've got a problem with an alien in that it. It does have this sort of insight, insect-like, um, very fast kind of movement between poses, which could be uh, very hard to animate, you know, because you don't have the the mass. When when you've got the mother, like they had in Aliens, obviously she's got mass issues, but these guys uh, don't have the size uh, of mass that you expect them to kind of move around slowly, and they they are sort of nimble and fast. But then mm-hmm. playing that out in animation can look absurd because they just become that kind of cartoon poppiness. Um, the, I know they reference a tiger attack and a few other things because these mm. are predators that leap. Um, but I think the aliens get the best of both worlds. They have those quiet bits where they're kind of watching, almost smelling kind of thing, and then they attack, which makes them super scary. But the animators did a good job in sort of having a believable amount of Movement, given that they must be hurtling across the screen and almost sub, or sort of, you know, I don't know how fast they're moving, but it seems like really, really fast. I do like the that there's like a because it's pretty consistent across all the movies. There is like a defined edit sequence for the, a face hugger attack. It's like leap cut, face cut, uh, struggle cut, close up on neck of the of them trying to pull it off while the tail wraps up and you get a tight, a close, you know, medium close up of the tail going, which pretty much ceases all struggle uh, and puts them into like a coma almost, right? Like just enough oxygen to survive. Like, but it's, it's a recognizable sequence. Like when, when you see the, when you know there's a face hugger coming, I'm, I mean, I haven't double checked it, but it, the, the edit of that attack on, on the captain was, was very, uh, memorable in terms of like you knew exactly what was going to happen and they followed it really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which gets us that, back to great hits, but yes. Sure. But I mean, you know, there's a couple things that you just, again, like yeah. you were saying in your thing about greatest hits, like I'm fine with that. Like I I don't want them to, to like reinvent that. That's totally fine. That's what that should be. As I think it's also up on the alien with the middle mouth punching out, like. I mean, oh, like, I love that. If that I was directing really... that movie, I'd be like, we're doing like eight of those. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's also too, you know, you talk about the greatest hits kind of aspect of it. Uh, and I think that part of that is, you know, the the pushback that 
Ridley Scott and uh, the co-writer Lindelof, I guess, right, got on oh. Prometheus, the pushback that they got on it was that, you know, it didn't feel like an alien movie, right? It was something altogether different, like, what is this? And there was even all the sort of pre- um, discussion of the movie before it came out where he said, well, this really isn't a prequel to Alien. Like it's something different, you know, and they were sort of pushing it into this other realm. And I think uh, that wound up being something that at least, you know, fans of the of the franchise, I think were really disappointed. And so like, you know, here it is coming back. All right, here you go. Here's your greatest hits, you know, like, um, so I think, you know, there's kind of, maybe they went too far in the opposite direction in this case, but, uh, you Which know, begs just, the question, like, do we, I mean, is it is hmm. is the greatest hits thing the worst thing in the world? Um, I mean, the visuals you want to see them, right? Which is why, and it's not as if audiences reject this. I mean, even audiences at uh, like Broadway, right? Like, you know, like half the things on Broadway are Broadway versions of TV shows, you know, or, or movies. You know, you get uh, mm-hmm. know, there's um, a Groundhog Day, I think, is on Broadway now, right? Like it just seems an yeah. absurd translation. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, SpongeBob SpongeBob SquarePants is coming to Broadway. And uh, as a, there are as a musical. <laughs> yeah, so there's tons of stuff from The Lion King through. But then mm-hmm. again, you know, if I had to name sort of impactful, I guess, rather than necessarily my personal favourites, but impactful kind of Broadway things, I'd go for things that felt more like they were of Broadway rather than just, you know, Groundhog Day being redone on Broadway. I mean, mm-hmm. I have no desire to go and see, um, what was it, uh, the Patrick Swayze movie, um, Dirty Dancing on Broadway. Like, so, so, to gouge <laughs> my Roadhouse. eyes out with them. Yeah, because you were afraid you might have right. the time of your life. That's why. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Don't uh, put Mike I, in the corner. But um, so my point Mike is that the, <laughs> the point is that you want to have uh, audiences connect, right? So maybe you have to have, you know, these things to get the audiences to get or to get the films green lit. But I feel yeah. like. Uh, you, you know, well, but ironically, exciting. you know, I think I think Todd Vaziri uh, posted something in Twitter just a couple, maybe yesterday or day before, in passing, and it was the first 19 days box office gross for um, domestically, I think here in the U.S. for, uh, or maybe it was worldwide, I'm not sure, but for Prometheus and then for um, Alien Covenant, and uh, yeah. it was like staggering, like Prometheus, like three or four times as much in oh, really? uh, the first 19 days of release. So, you know, but then again, like, you know, is that indicative of the fact that Prometheus was a better film than Covenant or is it indicative maybe of the fact that people are just like, oh, I don't want to see another Prometheus, you know, like it's it's so hard to know, you know, what those numbers mean I mean, I have, uh, in the abstract, but. I have friends who will defend Prometheus to the end. It's like a running joke. I, I posted on, I think I posted on that, on their, uh, just to rile them up. Uh, we were there was some uh, alien covenant conversation, and I somebody said I hope it's on Facebook, and somebody said I hope it's better than Prometheus. I said anything is better than Prometheus, and then I <laughs> just to rile him up, I said Trump is better than Prometheus. Oh, which is not true, but I wanted to rile him up, and uh, it was it worked. But my my point, my other question to you guys was. Uh, do we all remember that Neil Blomkamp was supposed to direct this movie or yeah. a version? Mm-hmm. And do a we wish? Movie, yeah. Do totally we wish that movie. he had he had made? Yeah, not this script, obviously, but do we wish that he had been allowed to make his movie? Because I think he was going to have Ripley. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, yeah, people say that was a great script. And, you know, although I will say that, like, Neil Blomkamp, like, super interesting filmmaker. The stuff he's doing yes. right now with his weird totally. short films on Steam uh, yeah. that he's sort of that experimental thing. I mean, it's, I think it's just totally genius. It's the right time, it's the right move. Like, it's a brilliant thing to be doing. Um, and clearly, he's got some money behind what he's doing there because he's got a, a staff, I yeah. think, of 30 people full time working on that stuff. But, uh, um, you know, I, we we have had our conversations. I know everybody's a big fan of District Nine, but you know, I know that we talked about Elysium and yeah. uh, Chappie, and I think we I like Chappie, I we, but but we, but we I, I like whether or not like those were like <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess my recollection might be a little cloudy, but I, I seem to recall that those weren't like uh, you know like they were sort of lukewarm uh, responses. I don't know that anybody oh, yeah, raving sure. about either of those pictures either. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. who who knows if it would have been a huge success and it would have come together. But I mean, I heard nothing but great things about that script when it was in development. Yeah. I definitely think that would have been a more interesting film to see. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, again, I was just bringing it up. I didn't, wasn't, Qualitative necessarily, but no, yeah, what, but it's, what, it's super, super interesting. I think that it was going to be uh, that it was something they were thinking of doing. You know, I mean, and that yeah. uh, I guess uh, what's her nuts? Uh, Sigourney Weaver was so into the script; she was really excited to do it. And I think they were all really disappointed when was, uh, it sort of got the kibosh. Was Sigourney Weaver the voice of the ship in this? I don't think so. I couldn't tell. It sounded vaguely familiar. It sounded like slightly like her, which actually would be kind of interesting. Uh, but um, what do you guys think about the final, like, you know, dump truck? Uh, not not on the ship, but the the loader flight up to back up where they where they brought the alien back up to the big ship, and then then they had the big dump truck fight. I guess the trouble was, again, uh, my problem, I, I think the visuals were really interesting with the flying up and stuff, but you just totally knew that it was going to get up onto the ship, right? There was like no doubt in my mind that, yeah. you know, it was a fake um, ending. And I hadn't we seen that before in another Aliens film? Oh, wait, I think we had. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I was a little, you know, rolling my eyes at that. I, I thought the sequence in the bay when they dumped it with the ship and the way, you know, that that was handled was all really great. But it, you know, the out of the airlock thing, um, I just had none of the, you know, like the adolescent boy of me that was just scared witless with um, with uh, Sigourney, both in the first film and in the second, right? I've got to say also, the, the first film with her in the, and I want to be sexist, but I've got to say, like I was at boarding school and they, they would not show that film um, to a all boys boarding school. Um, so yeah, that uh, that first film was just hair raisingly, um, and I just you know I sort of knew they were going to get them out. I thought again, technically really well done, um, but but I need more um, to be satisfied. And, and we have another ship rope swinging uh, sequence, like yes. Uh, like it wasn't Guardians. as bad as Guardians, yeah. I think Guardians yeah. was unforgivably kind of um, cartoony. I love that, but then, sh- that, that shot, though, that sequence where it's like he's trying to control the ship and she's sort of hanging from the thing and swings from I thought that just looked so cool. I, lo- I love the look of that uh, image when I first saw that. I thought it was so neat. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was plausible, like inside the film kind of, 
you know, it's it's as plausible as an Indiana film or a, anything else that she was holding on to that thing and swinging around underneath and stuff. And it was a nice threatening thing to be swinging near the alien. Is that what you're referring to? Because um, yeah. I, I just didn't – that didn't bother me. I mean, I thought from the visual effects point of view, like the it, it looked nicely distressed, the imagery, like it wasn't too clean and um, – and uh, there was a sort of an urgency to the virtual cinematography that I thought was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it didn't strike me as... But I, again, it was just so obvious what was going to happen. That, well, what about um, the alien, seen, how the alien looked? What, you, he had you like, issue, kind of like you, weird longer legs kind of and yeah. they were sort of bent at a strange angle and stuff. I mean... It was like a I dog that, almost. Yeah, I thought that was... He was cool. I, I mean, when he's... Uh, the scene that they showed over and over again in the commercial where he's like... Uh, crashing oh, yeah. his head against the the windshield or whatever. Oh yeah. Well, uh, well, uh, Kenny Powers is uh, <laughs> trying to fly the ship away, <laughs> La Flama Blanca. But um, uh, I got to say great. one other thing. There was one other thing about the films that is that would have made them better is if we had more motivation for the actions of the alien. Like, I think the thing that I really liked in the second one, and and, and I know this is not visual effects, and I'm sorry to do it, but in the second one, I really felt like the the mother alien had motivation for her actions. In this, I can't see why the alien's so keen to get at her. Like, is, does it perceive that that's the only food? I mean, what is the, like, there are other people that have been killed, aren't they lying around? Wouldn't that be easier? Like, you know, if you had like a tiger or something, or you had a, a beast, uh, even if it's like a Jurassic Park, like it's good when you believe that there's a, a logic to why the animal's doing what it's doing. If you believe it to be animal, as in, sort of instinctual, then give me some instinctual reason why it wants to do that. If it's, if it's really intelligent and it's got a lot of logic, well, that's fine also. But then I have to believe that it's somehow learnt those things. But here I could neither believe that the alien desperately wanted her that badly um, or that it instinctually needed to go and do that. Like it would be, wouldn't it have been more interesting if the creature had sort of a you know, like you could herd it or cause it to do things because of an instinctual response. And, and I thought we were going there when it was standing up facing David and didn't move, but then I kind of didn't get it after that. Well, you even in Aliens, even in the Cameron Aliens, you could argue that all the xenomorphs are attacking because they're protecting their food source of the colonists, right? That yeah. they're not actually being hostile, they're being uh, defensive, yeah, and then the mother is reacting over the, the eggs and then yeah. she's lashing out and then she's got, yeah. you've got this great motivation of Sigourney with the child as well. So everybody's like highly motivated for their actions. Otherwise, like if my dog gets, you know, bit, which it did, by an ant in its food bowl, it's like, hey, do I have to eat out of this food bowl? Because I really don't like this food bowl because I got my nose bitten, <laughs> right? And that's a bloody great dog and it was a tiny little ant. But, I mean, I just feel like if these aliens were just getting blasted by laser cannons as much, they'd be like, screw this, I'm going to wander over here and eat something else. Like, you know, why do I so desperate to attack the thing with the... Unless they're cornered or they're... Um, I just feel like we instinctually um, respond better when we have... I know it's an alien. Why should it have human logic? But I feel like it should have some creature logic that. Well, like, it had what a predatory nature once yeah. it was with you know in the group of all the people. But is it just saying, "Oh, I didn't kill everybody, so I need to follow them where they go"? Is that the logic? I mean, when they first break out of the body, they could be afraid, lashing out. There's like a lot of reasons that you can justify that stuff. But there's a point at which they seem deliberately to make life hard for themselves, and. 
and in a very threatening way, whereas the people we don't know have to get off the planet or they will die. So their actions, A follows B follows C. Um, even David's logic, right, you can argue is kind of walked psychopathic logic, but there's some logic there. I just don't see why we think... It would have been much more interesting if the if we'd had the engineers and the aliens and the aliens were... I don't know, uh, pets gone rogue, experiments gone, but they've had some reason for the way they did stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, you know, I just really hate to be the animator that's like, so why is the guy attacking the guy so much? Well, son, what's, it's an alien What's film. my motivation here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you're right. No, I think um, that's a good point. I think, you know, that's something, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's something they did try to uh, explore in more detail in some of the other alien movies, uh, some of the... Like what was the really weird one with uh, all those guys from the the French dude? What was his name? Oh, the, the third one. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the fourth one. That's yeah. the fourth one. The third one's the mammoth one on the prison planet. Not yeah, the mammoth, ones Fincher. The, the, Fincher yeah, the Fincher with no no weapons. <laughs> I wish David Mamet would make an alien movie. That would be amazing. <laughs> Have great punchy dialogue. But yeah, yeah, I feel like they tried to get into some of that sort of logic and some like uh, the the creature logic. You know, like. Um, and their sort of reasons for doing X, Y, and Z in the other pictures. Uh, there's one, I think it's in that Jean Junot, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, one where like they ha- they're encased in glass or something, the yeah. aliens are, and they're like moving them and positioning them using like uh, steam or something, right? And they're sort of getting them to sit and be, they're sort of, Pavlovian responses and they're trying to sort yeah. of understand some of what they're thinking pumpkin. and what they're doing and anyway. Well, and there's yeah. the multiple Sigourney's, you know, she realizes she's a clone or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, I can't quite remember all the plot plates in that one. And yeah, Winona so. Ryder's in it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think, uh, what about uh, David and Walter on screen together with the, the doubles and the split screen? and uh, how, how good was that comping? So oh, yeah. And I got to say, like the, the one of the most hilarious moments in the whole movie, though, has to be Fossbender kissing Fossbender, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> so genius. Like, I would just think for him, like that role must have just been so weirdly, fu- weirdly fun to play. And he's sort oh, of yeah. like making fun of his own sort of image, too, in some funny ways. But yeah, oh, I thought absolutely. all those comps yeah. and all that stuff of him interacting with himself, it reminded me a lot of... Um, uh, Moon a little bit too, right? The last film. Oh, I think sure. I saw there were yeah. the two uh, on-screen doubles and, and uh, I, I just thought that all that stuff was really solid, really good oh, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen Enemy? Yes, uh, with... Uh, Villeneuve's. Yep. Mm-hmm. Villeneuve's first movie or one of his early movies rather. Yeah, with, yeah, with Gyllenhaal. Sp- yeah, with the big spider at the end. And, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, that's also uh, pretty expertly done. Although I'm not sure how many, I think it's mostly split screens probably, but, um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, all that stuff was great. I mean, Fassbender is easily the best part of the movie, you know, uh, he can hold it for sure. I mean, he could just be on screen by himself, which he is for a fair bit. Uh, and, uh, and I think, was it, was it Peerless that did the David and Walter stuff where he's like playing the flute and all that, like teaching him to play the flute? Was that the company that did that stuff? Do you know? Uh, I don't know, actually. Though the playing of the flute, somebody did right. write. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is remarkable that it's the same actor when you've got that amount of 
interplay between them. Because there's so many times when we've seen that in the past that it just feels like the framing and everything about it is sort of just to play the fact that they're showing off that they can do it or making it deliberately hard on themselves just to show off how clever they are. I felt like in this film there was remarkably little of um, we are going to show you that we're doing the thing that you think we can't do just because we can or we're going to frame this in such a way that's kind of awkward but that's the only way that we can make it work. Neither of those things sort of feature. But if it did feature at all, it featured in the... And you actually forget that they're the same person. Like you're, totally. you're just watching two characters mm-hmm. on the, on screen. You're not you're not sitting there being like, oh well, I wonder how they did that. You know, it just works. Yeah, though I have I, to I say, will say I, Fassbender's Walter uh, uh, accent like kind of bummed me out a little bit. Like it sounded like he had like um, like marbles in his mouth or something. It was like super American. Super American. Like it was almost too much. Like, what did yeah, you guys think like, of um, Orphan Black? They should have given him a mid, mid-Atlantic accent. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of Orphan Black? Because that's like, I think, just superb body double. Oh, yeah, that Sorry. Tatiana. Oh, I never saw it. Whatever. Comp I haven't seen it, so. So for good. But. That stuff's really great. And she's amazing, too. <laughs> like in that, she, that actress is able to embody so many different personas, like, I think, in a pretty believable way like i mean she really does seem like there's many different versions of her in these sort of different um characters you know i mean i i I thought that was really impressive you totally forget that it's all one actor in the orphan black show yeah i mean i really feel like in terms of forgetting that it's the same actress um she wins as he managed to do in this film, she manages to get me sort of watching these different characters and I'd have to sort of really pinch myself to say, actually, it's the same bloody person, isn't it? God, Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a... There's only one or two characters she's done that I feel like just she did a bloke at one point. I don't think it really kind of worked. But yeah. I think they knew that and they didn't bring him back. But, uh, yeah, generally when she's on screen with herself, um, Tatiana, oh, my God, just so good. Uh, I did like yeah. the sort of... Uh, existential dread introduced at the end when Catherine Waterston, as she's being put to sleep, realizes that, uh, that was what, so what we already know. <laughs> and then he's just like, later, kind of just strolls away. And she's just like, yeah, it's like, um, it's like, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's like an Edgar Allan Poe kind of, you know. Well, or like the, like called? that movie, The 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 Vanishing, you know. Where oh, they, yeah. The uh, woman is kidnapped at the car park or whatever and her husband looks for her for years and he finally uh you know thinks he's found the man who says he took her and she he wants to experience what she experienced and then he she's he's like okay and he does it and he wakes up in a coffin <laughs> underground yeah <laughs> buried alive awesome <clears throat> thanks for the spoilers uh, alert oh well um, come on that movie's so old you can't <laughs> i'm just kidding you can't have um, there's got to be a statute of limitations on spoilers could, you could also Definitely. you could also link it to the kurt russell uh jt walsh you know breakdown very similar Break- mm. i don't know also, I wasn't, uh, someone in, I wasn't, buried alive Yes, I wasn't expecting you to go there. Okay, I think we've kind of run out of juice on this one. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, feel we're drifting. Um, I am looking forward to talking about uh, Wonder Woman and a few other films that are coming out. We've got a bunch of really interesting films uh, coming out in the weeks. Uh, Head, maybe if you guys uh, want to like let us know what you think uh, is a priority. I was. Uh, we got Spider Man, uh, the new Apes film, of course, and other Transformers. Um, I think Dunkirk looks pretty interesting. Um, and then. Uh, <laughs> 
And then there's The Mummy. Um, yes, so all of those oh, films man. are p- potential uh, VFX shows. So let us know what you think. If you want to let us uh, see uh, and hear what we have to think, uh, hear what we have to say about Dunkirk, then just drop us a, a note on uh, on Twitter. Obviously, I'm Mike Seymour. Um, Matt, how can people get in touch with you to point out the error of your ways? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Matt Wallen or at my website, mattwallen.com. And I just have to say, uh, before we, we leave this, it was one thing at the beginning of the show I did want to say is that, you know, I love James Cameron, but like, I think he's a, he's much more of like a populist popcorn filmmaker in my mind. And I think Ridley Scott is more of a, like artisanal kind of, uh, filmmaker in my mind, like less, yeah, like, like less popcorn, more, um, yeah, artisanal popcorn. Yeah. He's more, uh, he's a, he's a different kind of filmmaker. Like I think comparing the two of them and comparing their two movies and their two styles, like they're so different in my mind, uh, even though they have done, uh, you know, movies from this same sort of franchise that, uh, I just, I'm not I, down I on like, Ridley. I, I think the Martian, I love that film to death and that's mm-hmm. fairly recent. Right. But I just do think that, um, yeah, I honestly think Cameron's work on Aliens was genius. But anyway, be, let's let's yeah, agree let's, or disagree. I'll let that I'll let that one go. <laughs> anyway, Jason, uh, I, I'm going to agree with Matt about his description of both uh, Ridley Scott and James Cameron. Okay, uh, but, but about the people can about people your can, work. Yes, people can find me at uh, on Facebook, Jason Diamond on Twitter, Jason Diamond, pretty much anywhere, Jason Diamond. Uh, and my companies, uh, the Diamond Bros, Supersphere, and Frame.io. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for being with us. Um, obviously, uh, we really appreciate you joining us uh, on the show. I know a lot of people uh, enjoy the show. So when I say I'm interested in what you want us to talk about, I really genuinely am. And uh, we're quite open to almost anything. There are a couple of films I refuse to review, but most of those involve cartoon characters, um, especially ones with square pants. But apart from that, um, yes, we'd love to hear from you and... Uh, love to engage more with what you want us to talk about and if that's tv shows or if that's uh something other than just major films also that's uh cool with us and of course the retro shows that we do from time to time uh, until next time i'm mike simmore thanks so much for being with us guys see ya if you have any questions or comments please email us at vfx at fxguide.com copyright fx guide llc